Thomas Fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Hello, this is Steve Fielder, your host for the Gone to the Dogs podcast. I'm sitting here today with two newfound friends. Actually, that's a little bit of a fib. I'm not actually physically sitting with these two gentlemen, but due to the miracle of Alexander Bell's telephone and uh, Al Gore's internet, uh, we're coming to you uh, today on this W Supply podcasting platform. I will take just a moment to thank my friends at W Supply uh, for hosting this uh, podcast, providing the means for me to come to you each week. I want to thank uh, Jason Duby, uh, who works with me very closely on the podcast. I want to thank Shannon, the producer, who gets this all together and makes something out of the mess that I send her every week. And then I also want to thank Mr. DU Supply himself, Buddy Woodbury, for uh, making all this possible. Okay, today I want to get right into the conversation because it's going to be a good one. I know that you're going to enjoy tremendously getting to know a couple of guys from down. I think you guys call this Deep East Texas down in Cleveland. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, Cleveland, Texas. Got known Cleveland, a lot Texas. of folks from down that area over the over the years. I'm going to try to drop a few names here before I introduce you guys. Of course, I think you're both friends with Bud Dromgool, uh, mm-hmm. who, who is a personal yes, friend of mine. I think you probably knew Dallas Sanders. Yes. Sir. Uh, I think you probably knew Miss Billy Woodward. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, and and there's just so many great folks in the state of Texas that I met over the years that I uh, traveled there. But today I'm particularly uh, excited to introduce, and if it weren't for this guy, uh, the first guy I'm going to introduce here, I probably wouldn't have made this podcast possible, and that's uh, Kenneth Tullis. Ken, yeah. uh, it's, it's good to have you on the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing fine, sir. I'm, I'm glad you'd be here, and thank you for inviting us. Oh, well, it, it's my pleasure for sure. And, and, Ken, you were the one that told me about our other guest, and he's kind of our featured guest uh, for today, and that's uh, your good friend there, Mr. Ed Zorn. Mr. Zorn, how are you feeling today? Doing good, sir, and you? I'm doing just great, doing just great. I'm over in Florida uh, I oh. was born and raised in West Virginia, as my listeners know, and then I lived for many years in the state of Michigan when I was working for UKC, and then finally I retired in the state of North Carolina. So I've kind of mm. traveled around a little bit, but I'm <laughs> I'm down here in uh, in the swamps of Florida, uh, where oh. the old elephants go to die. They say. <laughs> <laughs> Well, fellas, yeah, well, let's get right into this thing now. Uh, Mr. Zorn, I want you to kind of tell me just a little bit about yourself. Uh, When you were born, where you were born, a little bit about your family, maybe a little about your work that you did. I I assume that you're retired now. Is that right? Yes, sir. I see. Well, how old are you now, sir, if you don't mind asking? 88. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, That good, strong voice. It's good to hear. Um, My father lived to to be 88. 
my mother uh, just celebrated her 100th birthday. So I, I'm I'm hoping that I can take more after my mother's side of the family, but but God yeah. bless you. Uh, 88 years old. That's awesome. Where were you born, sir? Uh, a little town called Cloverleaf, Texas, right out of Houston, about 20 miles from Houston. I see. Was that out in the country? Uh, just yeah, well, my three people lived there when I was born there. Wow. Three families. Yeah. That's a small town. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, when I've traveled out in Wyoming, I go from Cody down to Warland, Wyoming, and there's a little town called Emblem, yeah. and it says population um, 10. <laughs> so, well, that's great. Well, you're, were your family farmers, or, or what did your— No, family? Daddy worked—he uh, worked out at a place called Brown Shipyard. I see. In, and in then he, he commercial fish for years for himself, and then he went to work over at Brown Shipyard. And then, he, then from there, he worked for the government at the Ardness Depot. I see. And that's where he retired from. I got you. How many brothers or sisters did you have? Well, uh, they would have been 13 if they had lived, but they were. Nine of us left. Nine? Well, my mom and but dad. My both. oldest brother passed away. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear yeah. that. Well, at what age uh, did you start this? Uh, the, of course, we want to talk about coon hunting. This is a coon hunter's podcast. <laughs> and I, I'd like yeah. to talk uh, a little bit about that. But before I do, I want to get a little bit of introduction from uh, from Kenneth as well. Kenneth, okay. can you what can you uh, give me as background for our listeners? Uh, well, uh, I grew up in Humble and kind of moved around a little bit um, and uh, chased rodeos for about 27 years. I spent about eight years in the Army, and uh, I um, and now I work uh, selling roofs. But um, I moved to Cleveland a few years back and uh, and lived there, and that's when I met Ed and been about i think about 15 years ago and uh uh i'd already been hunting dogs uh started a little when i was pretty young starting them with a, a fellow by the name of hoy biscamp that a lot of people i've heard know. that name very uh, often yeah yeah he's the, one, he's the one that gave me my blue dog addiction and uh i've never <laughs> let it go <laughs> I hear Mr. Zorn laughing there, and I'm going to join with you, Mr. Zorn, because yes. uh, you fellas that like the blue dogs, uh, you really like them. That's one thing oh, I yeah. learned. Uh, a blue tick man is is very dedicated to his breed, uh, yeah. for sure. It's it's had several breeds, but our yeah. last dog that we had together was a big blue dog. I got you. Well, yeah. when when I went to San Angelo, Texas in the uh, 1969 and 70, I was in the Air Force. I was in San Antonio for basic and went up to San Angelo for my school and got involved with several coon hunters up there. And uh, I met fellows that had uh, uh, blue dogs. And I mentioned, I think, to Kenneth, one of the names that came up pretty often uh, when you mentioned blue dogs back in that day, was a guy named Tom Broom. Did you know Tom, Mister Zorn? No, I don't guess. Uh-uh. Uh, you hadn't heard of Tom Broom? 
No, sir. I, I see. Well, Texas is a big state. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I remember uh, driving across the state of Texas from El Paso to Beaumont, and it was 900-some miles, and I was still in Texas. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's great. Well, thank yeah. you, Kenneth. And All right, Mr. Zorn, uh, how did you get involved in coon hunting? Did you do it as a kid, or did, is it something that came on l later in life for you? A little later in life. Mm -hmm. uh, when we was younger, of course. We hunted, a, they called it the island over across the St. Cena River. We used to go over a lot hunting, rabbit hunting stuff. But now we did it actually to eat, too. <laughs> I see. So it was a bunch of us. and uh, But that's, we always hunted out. My daddy's brother, Uncle Earl, he always was a big hunter. He'd come out on the weekend down there clovely, but it wasn't of a country then. Uh, just all wood, you know. I think it was like maybe 13 families lived in there at the time. And, I see. Uh, yeah, and I guess that's why I got my hunting gene was from him. Uh, Daddy, he was always a big trapper and stuff, muskrats and minks and stuff, yeah. And then when he got older, he went to work for the government out there at uh, Arnish Depot, and that's where he retired from. But for years, he was a commercial fisherman. And that's how he made a living. I remember he used to bring home them old white buffalo fish in that old Model T Ford truck, and the back of it be loaded with fish. <laughs> and well, old white buffalo well, fish. Yeah. There was a time when, having grown up in West Virginia, I didn't know what a buffalo was. I mean, to me, a <laughs> buffalo was a big old shaggy animal out there in the <laughs> West, you know. Yeah. But yeah. two things kind of tuned me in on what. A buffalo is, and one was listening to um, Duck Dynasty, Phil Robinson yeah. talking about fishing and catching buffalo. And then more recently, uh, each year in November and early December, right after Thanksgiving, my friends and I, the, the, a couple of guys from Mississippi, one from Alabama, well, actually two from Alabama, and I go out to the White River National Wildlife Refuge in Arkansas. It's right yeah. along the Mississippi Delta there. And there's a fella out there named John Stortz that coon hunts with us when we go out, and he's a commercial fisherman. And that's what um, he catches. He comes in in the morning with that but When he lifts those nets, he's got that boat full of buffalo and those some of those uh, Asian carp and and some catfish. Yeah. There's a lot of fish in those southern waters down there, aren't there? <laughs> yeah. It sure is. Well, I don't know if your experience was like mine, but we go fishing out of the boat. I mean, excuse me, we go coon hunting out of the boat sometimes. And the only, draw, <laughs> and the only drawback to, to fishing out of that boat is it smells like those buffalo fish. <laughs> hey. Yeah, Get a little rank. It can be for sure, but I sure do love fish. Do Do you ever eat a buffalo rib? I uh, probably did. I they didn't call it buffalo rib, you know. Well, the, what this guy does is he cut takes some of the ribs out of those big ones and leaves the meat on them, and he deep he's got a restaurant there and he deep fries those things yeah. and, and batters them and fries them just like he would a fillet. 
you know, if, uh, <laughs> and sells uh, them. And apparently they're quite popular. But anyway, we got off on a rabbit path right there for sure on a coon hunting show. We're talking about fish, but uh, <laughs> that that's pretty. Okay, so what was your first experience coon hunting? My first experience? Yes, sir. Uh, I just, while I was 16, I went to work out Todd's shipyard out there for my brother-in-law. He run a, he was a foreman out there. And I met a guy out there who was a coon hunter. Now, we coon hunted, you know, with just old mongrels. Yeah. And, yeah, and killed coons and rabbits and squirrels. But to be honest with you, we did a lot of to eat. <laughs> well, my dad <laughs> grew up during the Depression, and he yeah. and his brothers had uh, cur dogs. So I, I'm yeah, familiar with that, with that concept, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah but uh, then I, I got with that fellow out there at Todd Shipyard, and he was coming on her, and we, he kept asking me, I'd run the girls in, you know, and he kept asking me to go with him one Friday night. So I went with him, and that ranked me right there. <laughs> <laughs> there went your love life right down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it worked together. I bought me a black and tan hound from him. Mm-hmm. I called him Joe. Gave him twenty five dollars for him that night, and I've been doing it ever since. I, 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 I couldn't get away from it. Yeah. Well, what about him? Was he worth that twenty five dollars or not? Every penny. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, most of our listeners, I would think, you know, wouldn't be familiar yeah. with the concept of. Uh, of buying a dog for for that little money, but twenty five dollars was a pretty good price for just a, back then. A dog, it was, it? yeah, <laughs> it sure. Because people just didn't hardly buy them, you know, like mm-hmm. you do now. I mean, right. that's a big deal now. But back then, it just mostly pleasure. As mm-hmm. I saw mine was when I started, right. but when I got into the coon hunting world, it was with the roll dog. First, it was Stagger Lee. That's what I named him, Stagger Lee. And now, were they, was he also a black dog, or what kind of dogs were they? He was a blue tick. Okay, all right. He was a blue tick hound, yeah. And I hunted him out, and then I got Rojo and his brother when I sold Stagger Lee to T.D. Barrett. Okay. I mean, head back down, and he gave me, he kept asking me, he said, I'll give you a thousand dollars in these two dogs. I said, Well, come on, I'm waiting on you. <laughs> <laughs> now were these was this a registered dog or not? Uh did, yeah, he did. was no, he wasn't registered. Oh, okay. But you know how you did back in them days? <laughs> you just found a set of papers and matched <laughs> yeah. them up, didn't you? Yeah, I matched them up. But yeah. he deserved it. You know, I wouldn't I have done it if he hadn't been. I mean, because he went right <laughs> on through the hot, just boom, boom, boom. You know, he was he was up front quick. Everybody went sitting up taking notice to him. You know, and then called me, yeah. won't know if I was going to study him out and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, now, people, so, ain't that the blue tick that got his was down on his back when you hunted him at the that Walker hunt? Yeah, sure was. Mm-hmm. Well, that. okay, let's let's put this in perspective here a little bit. Now you've started yeah. hunting in the in the night hunts by now, the wild coon hunts. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, and okay. that was with him. Okay, and he was a blue tick, yeah, and he was a blue of, tick. of questionable parentage. 
but he was registered. Let's just leave it there. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a little story to tell about that, but I think your stories are going to be better than mine. So, so, okay. And you called this one, what, what was his name? What the blue dog? Yes, sir. Stagger Lee. Stagger Lee. Shot yeah, Billy. Shot yeah, that poor boy it. bad. <laughs> that's why, that's why, he was bad to the bones. That's why I named him Stagger Lee. I hear you. I hear you. All right. So tell me about Stagger Lee. What kind of dog was he? What? How did he? How did he hunt? How did he tree? Tell me about him. Well, he was just a natural coon dog. Is all I can say. I mean, from night one, he treated a coon, and from there, he just. He he didn't get a whole lot better. It was all natural with him, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And he was yes, sir. he was always straight as a string, straightest dog I ever owned in my life. I've had some just about as good, but they wasn't wasn't natural like he was. You know, he right. just come here doing that. And uh, but uh, then after him, I got Rojo. Well, let I me stuck. ask you one more thing about Stagger Lee, or okay. a couple of things actually. What kind okay. did he have? A good mouth. Had a good mouth, yeah. Uh-huh. Did he, he ball was, or chop on the track? He, he had a little ball mouth. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And chop on the tree. Chop on the tree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was he fairly accurate? I mean, did he, he was real generally? accurate. He was, okay. Yeah. You know, a lot of those older dogs that I remember myself, uh, yeah. you know, I'm 75 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a few years on me, but not all that many. And, I'm 88. Uh, so. Yes. Uh-huh. Much, yeah. yeah. And well, okay. And uh, was he a pretty good track dog? I mean, did he have a good nose? He was good in every department. Okay. Yeah. He had it all then. Well, did yeah, you ever did. did you ever breed him? Yeah, I bred him a few times, not many, but mm-hmm. I bred him. Well, <laughs> it was a black and tan jip back then, and mm-hmm. all the puppies turned out good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everybody let him. He was he like I say, he was a natural and he he, he reproduced himself. Yeah. I guess he had real strong genes, you know. Everybody's dream. Well, how yeah. old was he when you got him? How old was yeah. he? He was probably about eighteen months old, I guess, I something like that. So day. did you keep him till he died? Uh no, I finally man kept off me too much money for him, old T D Barrett. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, you said that. Yeah, he just, you know, yeah. kept handing it up all for us. And like I say, he'd been run over and broke down his back end. I told him, I said, T.D., now he broke down his back end. He said, I don't care if he broke down front end and back end. He said, I want him. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so you were telling me about Rojo now. Where, yeah. How did Rojo come in? He come in after Stagger Lee. Okay. Yeah. And but what kind of fact, dog was – oh, go ahead, sir. Uh, matter of fact, I got him from T.D. Barrett. I, uh, he swapped me Rojo and a big blue dog and a thousand dollars for Stag Lee. And that was a lot of money back then. You yes, know? sir. And, and, now, uh, now, now, Mr. Fielder, Stag Lee was blue and Rojo was a white dog. Oh, I see. Was he, Rojo was a walker dog, yeah. He was a walker dog. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. All right. So. Uh, all right. Well, tell me about Rojo. Well, uh, I'll be honest with you. He's one of the toughest hounds I ever owned. Mm-hmm. I mean, any department, tree dog, track dog, track dog, you know, real good nose. And uh, 
Mm-hmm. But Stagger Lee was a real good hound too. I mean, you know, and that's the reason why he uh, he bought him for me, T.D. Barrett, because he hunted with me some. Yes, sir. And he had this young dog he bought uh, from uh, what's that? I'm trying to think of his name. He's real, real, real well known. Damn. Mm-hmm. There in Texas. <laughs> there in Texas. No, he was from Arkansas. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, he was Arkansas. He was real high up in Coonan. In uh, uh, Blue Dogs? In Blue Dogs? No, he had Walker Walk- Dogs. Oh, he okay. had Walker Dogs. Timoth- yeah. uh, you said Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. Come back to you, people. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it'll come back around. I know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> he, 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 but he was a real famous hunter, too. Mm-hmm. So you got yeah. Rojo when, uh, how old was he when you got him from trade? Uh, probably two years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. he came from some dog, from a, a well-known hunter in Arkansas. Right, uh, yes. So did you keep him all his life? or, or Yeah, I kept yeah. him till he died. I see. I see. Did you breed him at all? I did. Yeah, uh-huh. I got quite a few good young dogs out of him. I but you. I'd. Sell them fast. I got them, you know. Yeah. Well, did you, uh, was he registered? Did he have papers on him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was registered when I bought him. Okay. Stagger Lee wasn't. Yeah, I I understand that. Mm -hmm. Rolo come from the Crown Billy Dogs. He was right out of Crown Billy. I got you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's. uh, Now, 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 uh, people's son-in-law, Ty, has a, a dog or has two dogs. Uh, I think uh, off the road, yeah, the whole bloodline. Yeah, I got you. so you still they have watered a, down. Yeah. yeah, they watered down, but mm-hmm. you know they got some of his traits. Yeah. Well, know. what about the uh, the the type of hunting that you have there around Cleveland, Texas? What what's the hunting territory like there? Some of it's real rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your pond tickets and stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but you got to like it to do it down here, because <laughs> most of the real, unless you go to River Bottom, you know, it's pretty good that you getting them switch chain tickets, and then them. Uh, you t- said a yo pond. Is that what you? Yeah. Said? I've Yo-pon heard that tickets, expression, yeah. and I think it's probably <laughs> like maybe like these cypress ponds we have down here in Florida. Yeah. Do the cypress trees grow in there? Those those ball cypress. That's more, or, over, that's, that's more over in Louisiana area. Where, what we had is uh, uh, like river bottoms, and 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 then you get into that national forest, and that's yeah. where the yo pond thickets at. And you get in there. Uh, <laughs> It'll make you wish you hadn't been in there. Well, is that part, the part of Texas that they called the Big Thicket? Yes, Big sir. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure, yeah. Well, in other conversations and in books that I've read, especially about the old houndsman Ben Lilly of years ago, he hunted in that Big Thicket country. And, and way back there, there were bears there in that part of Texas. It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure was. Yeah. So then you also talked about, uh, first you said Yopon thickets. Right. And then you mentioned some other kind of territory you had there. River bottom. Yeah, Trent Trent River bottom. Mm -hmm. Beautiful river bottom. It's like walking in a park. 
I got you. It now. used to be. <laughs> now, do you, now, do you call them pecans or pecans down there in your part of the world? Uh, but, pecan orchards. Yeah. Okay. Uh, pecan orchards. Pecan do you have yeah. any of those in those bottoms? Uh, no, down sir. Down in river bottoms, you'll have a few of them. But yeah. Yeah, yeah but a, in certain parts. They used to be. Yeah. No, they're not, no, they're not, not like used I to be a lot you. of them, but I got not you. no more. Well, uh, back there when you started uh, with a good dog, what could a man expect a tree in a night of coon hunting or say even stretch it out to a week if you want to? Back in those days when you had Stagger Lee and Rojo and those dogs, how many coon could you expect maybe to tree? In one night? Yeah, a night or, or two or three nights, whatever. Yeah. It very, I mean, it was. I mean, I'm not bragging them, but it's, I'm just telling like it is. <laughs> uh, right. Well, it ain't yeah, bragging right if you can do it, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you had the right kind of dog, you could do it. I mean, like in the river bottom. Yes. Sir. You know, it wasn't nothing. Three, ten, twelve coons in a little while. Wow. A couple hours, yeah. Oh, just yeah. Like tree and squirrels. There was so many of them. Hmm. But you had to have a good dog too, because it rattled his mind because there's so many coons. Oh yeah. He wouldn't know which way to go. You know. He had to be committed to whatever he was doing completely, and that's tracking and treeing, and taking the first coon that goes up. Yes, and some nights it wasn't nothing tree, 12, 15 coons. Wow, that's amazing. Right kind of yeah. yeah. Well, but you know, I lived in Michigan, southern Michigan, for several years, 22, I think. And we had a lot of coon. And I understand what you're saying about when the yeah. population's thick. That dog's yeah. got to be single minded. You know, he needs to he stick does. with that, that track right. that he hits mm -hmm. and, and, yes, and go from there for sure. Yep. Well, what are what's a good story you remember from back in those days? Uh, is there a hunt that you took that you particularly remember, or, or uh, you know? Uh, uh, I, well, I don't know. Like I say, back then, if you had a good hound, you could have about a good hunt about every night, you know. Right. And nowadays, a good hunt back then wasn't nothing like it is now because there ain't that many coons, ain't that many woods to hunt in or nothing like it used right. to be so you yeah you've uh, <laughs> suffered that same thing that's happening all over the country i guess or uh, it yeah. losing places to hunt mm -hmm. well if all the timber companies cut all the timber you know out, ah, out of the river bottoms up on the hillsides and but mm -hmm. back when i started it wasn't like that you know hey, sure. hey, people tell tell mr fielder about uh the walker days with that blue dog Oh, <laughs> well, this is going to be a good one because they're already laughing, folks. So just stay tuned. It, it was a good one. You remember Chick Carlton? He was a big walker man. He you, started off with running walkers. He bred up his own breed of of tree and walkers. Okay, okay. Do you, do you, yeah, do you, yeah, yeah. You remember yeah. him? Yeah, he he did some. He was an artist. He was the artist. That's he right. did the artwork right. in John Wick's book. Yeah. Am I yeah. right? Yeah. The he walk sure with Wick. The okay. Walk with Wick. Yeah. All right. You're bringing yeah. up some good stuff here. <laughs> go, uh, go. Go ahead. All uh, right. He told me the first time I met him, and he hired that dog. He said, "He said I ain't never took my hat off to no dog or no jackass or nothing." He said. But, 
He said, I'll take my hat off that dog. He said, man, that dog is some dog. <laughs> I said, well, see, I guess he is. He said, uh, I tell you, you know, I don't want to blow no smoke because he'll make me look bad next time I go hunting. I just, I'm going to tell you what he has done. I'm not going to tell you what he's going to do because he's a dog. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> but from there, he just, he spoke for himself. You know. I hear you. Did you campaign him? I mean, you know, put him in enough night hunts to put any titles on him? Was he a night champion? or? Yeah, I made a night champion out of it. I see. Okay. But he got run over. And uh, I never could. He got oh, worse, you know. Sure. He made a night champion after he got run over. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Field, he ain't telling you this whole story now. So I'm going to intervene. <laughs> okay. Well, let's. I, I want the whole I, truth, nothing but the truth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, full thing, after he got run over, he had much control over his back end. He comes to a log, he put his front feet over and jerk his back end off the ground to go over the log. But he could see more coming like that than most of the good dogs could on four legs. Mm. Yes. Hey. As a matter of fact, that's what I made a night champion out of. Wow. After he'd been run over. Yeah. Mm. People couldn't believe it. Old Chick Carl remember him or not, you know. Well, he, he, uh, yeah. Well, it's the you heart. remember him? You know. It's what's yeah. down there, that beating down there in that chest that, that really determines the really great ones from the average ones, I think. Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah. He, he, he yeah. hunted this dog in the Walker days. And yeah. Stagger Lee treated more, <laughs> more coons the first night and scored higher than them other three, than, than everybody else did in three nights. That's right. Wow. Now, was yeah. this People, the UKC Walker days up in Indiana? Yeah, or it was. No, it wasn't Indiana. No, it was over at Coons, uh, Texas, they called it. Hmm. Right out of Beaumont. Oh, okay. This must have been yeah, right a out of Walker Beaumont. sectional there. Right? It was a Walker yeah. sectional. It sure yeah. was. And people wanted to buckle with the blue dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that boss couldn't believe it. He said, he said, they said, that dog's jerking his ass over them logs and trimming more coons than these walkers. <laughs> he, he hurt their feelings a little bit. <laughs> he did. But they couldn't deny it. The coon laying out the dead opening. <laughs> Mr. Zorn, you choked me up on that one. I had to stop there and cough for a minute. <laughs> hey, listen, did he look like a blue tick? I mean, was he a Oh, yeah, he's dog? a good-looking hound. Yes, uh -huh. sir. He's yeah. a good-looking dog. He's a real good-looking hound. He got run over. He had real straight back legs, a good hunter, and real tight made. He was a slender-type built dog, you know. He had a good head, but it wasn't a big head, just a good square head, you know. Yeah. Had a good ball mouth, good hard tree dog, honest tree dog. Yeah. Had the straightest dog I've owned in my life. He never uh, treated nothing but a coon. I see. That's the kind we're all looking for. Yeah. If I, you had I, a whole I've bunch lot, of, Go ahead, sir. Huh? Go ahead. I've had a lot of good dogs, but, I mean, uh -huh. he was the straightest hound I ever owned, and uh -huh. I've had a lot of good hounds. Well, I'm, I hard. well, I understand that you have during your prime, and and I know you yeah. you've probably slowed down a little bit. Yeah, I, I have a fellow on this podcast regularly from Pennsylvania. You may have heard of him. <laughs> he hunts redbone dogs. His name is Fred Moran. He they called him the Redbone Man. 
Fred Moran. The yeah. Man. But he's 85 years old, and he oh, still yeah. hunts four or five nights a week. And, it, of that, course, man. he's in Pennsylvania, but it's Hill Country yeah. where he hunts there. So my hat is off to you fellas because uh, I know how much I've slowed down. You know, I still hunt. I was out here in this these Florida thickets and swamps uh, Saturday <laughs> night hunting, although I haven't been this week yet. But uh, yeah. I do, uh, my, my hat's off to you uh, to be able to still uh, be hunting. I know uh, there's a gentleman named uh, Winston Aaron over in Mississippi. I don't know if you've met him, but uh, no, they call him Wimp Aaron, and he hunts walker dogs he has for years and years. And he's well into his 80s and still hunting. So you guys, uh, that generation are pretty tough. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give <laughs> yeah. you. Do you still get to go hunting at all, Mister Zorn? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You got some hounds there. You got some hounds there at the house. Good. I do. Are I they sure blue do. dogs? Are they blue ticks? Oh, or what? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's got he's got a blue puppy off of us. And now see he 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 said some stuff there about man. Best dogs ever had, but I'm kind of partial to a dog that, that we were partners on, and his name was uh, Easy Gentleman Jim. And, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, he yeah. Was about 120 pounds of big wow. And, uh, That's a big all dog. All power. <laughs> all power. Uh, <laughs> I, I've tied him to trees, and he's come back, and he ain't there while I'm squalling, <laughs> and he done broke the leash and broke the chain. And, oh, boy. And, uh, Hmm. I hunted that dog for four years and made a grand night champion out of him. And um, hmm. I bred him to some females. And I have a three-year-old male dog off of him that's doing really well. And Peepaw has a three-year-old male that's off of him that's doing well. And then I bred his son to a female. Mm-hmm. And I got a 12-month-old pup off of him that's doing real well. Well, that's good. So you got something coming on for the future, and that's that's right. always important. What would you yeah. say, Mr. Zorn, had been your uh, the thing that you've enjoyed most about having tree dogs and coon hunting and all? Is there any one part of it that just seemed to be, uh, you know, the thing that you liked the best? Yeah, I like a dog with a good ball mouth, good-looking hound, and a good hard chop on the tree, you know. All right. And yeah, and normally be pretty well straight out from get go, you know. Right. Well, they were not all like that. Yeah. Sure. There was a discussion just recently on uh, a Facebook page, which is on the internet. I don't know if you fool with that at all. No, sir. But anyway, it's a place where people can just go on on the computer and and talk and have discussions about things and a fellow posted up this week about he said uh, what about possums he said (laughs) when you when you tree a possum you know do you really discipline your dog for that or do you mind it uh do you uh and a whole discussion came out of that question i imagine and you know, and and one of the things that it kind of came up was that uh, it's not so bad to tree a possum as it is to tree slick, 
and not That's have right. anything in the tree. Do you, you, would you agree with that? I would, yes. Yeah. I sure would. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they have something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of bad when you look up there and there's nothing, there, you know. <laughs> and, uh, I've been experiencing some of that with a young dog that I've been hunting. Yeah. With. And, uh, and I kind of thought about that and I said, well, you know, it's easier to break a dog from treeing possums than it is to break them from slick treeing, I think. Do you uh, think I or not? That. I agree. With uh, well, it depends on the dog. Okay. I've had some of it extremely hard to break off a possum. Mm-hmm. Roll, uh, but he was such a tree dog. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. He was such a hard tree dog. Right. Well, I finally got him broke. I bought that shocking collar, and that's how I broke him, mm-hmm. put him with a shocking collar. Yeah. But he was extremely committed to whatever he did, no matter what it was. You know, if he run a right. deer, he run him to catch. He didn't sure. run him just to be running him. Yeah. Well, that's, and he run deer and stuff when I first got him. Yeah. Well, I think but that's I put, what we always wanted. I think the older hunters wanted a dog. If they're going to do something, do it wholeheartedly. You know, don't that's mess right. around. That's what I said. That's what I said. If you're going to do it, do it good. Don't have to do it. That's right. I'll take care of the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. That's like the old boy said. He's going the wrong way on the highway. And he said, yeah, but we're making good time. You know, so I kind of, I kind of hold to that, too. Uh, did you ever hear of Jerry Clower? Oh, yeah. yeah. Quite <laughs> he, the character. Yeah, and he called those armadillos a possum on a half shell. <laughs> Do you have an armadillo problem with, with young dogs there in your part of the world? Yeah, if some of them, they're not bad, you know, but some of them be a little hard-headed about it. Just, I mean, because an armadillo's kicking dirt in his face and he can bite his tail, try to pull him out and all that. And it's yeah. hard to resist, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they make that popping sound when they run across the room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember. That's why I, they call him a Hoover hog. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, man, I I came to Florida in the mid '60s to college, and I'd never seen an armadillo except in a picture. And I was out <laughs> quail hunting in a palmetto thick. Well, palmettos were up about knee high. And there was yeah. a little old cow path coming through there, and I heard something coming down that path, just doing <laughs> what you're talking about. And I had, uh, uh, you know, shotgun, 12-gauge shotgun, <laughs> yeah, shotgun with birdshot in it, you know. And as that thing coming in, I saw what it was, and I said, well, I'm going to see this thing up close and personal. So I let him have it. You got though, not you? I let him have it, and that thing went straight up like a rocket. He yeah. must have jumped 10 feet right straight up. They do. They do. Like a bullet. Man, I tell you, I'd never seen anything like that. You know, and I thought, I whoa. Think, I think when you shoot one of them, it unloads the springs in their legs. I don't know. Isn't that something, man? Yeah, I, buddy, you and everything, it jumped like that. But they can jump straight up. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, this Walker dog that I've got, this young dog, I I started him here in Florida, and he's never bothered them for me. I don't think I've never pulled that that hound out of a hole. Uh, yeah. Our coon don't generally go in a hole uh, over here. Yeah. If you hold something, it's about going to be a possum or an armadillo, you know. Well, but, yeah. You know, down here in the south where we hunt at a lot, uh, you usually, if a dog 
runs an armadillo, it's because they like them and they're going to run them and you got to break them. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of them fellas that come from the north that their dogs have never seen. <laughs> yeah. Well, that <laughs> brings up. A... here with them high-powered dogs and mm. they, them dogs have never seen an armadillo and, and they're going to run every one of them in the hole again. Well, Why? Yeah. It's because the armadillo does all that gun. <laughs> yeah, they that gun. They're going to chase him. Well, you know, but, I've got. Oh, go ahead, Kenneth. Stephen, there's, there's a. There's an old man. He might be on the phone with us right now, but he always been telling me since he since I've known him that when dealing with the dogs, dealing with hounds especially, uh, you got to admit a problem before you can fix a problem. <laughs> well, there's what those are wise words for sure. You hear you hear him laughing there. Right? I hear him. I hear him. Well, I got to doing this about. He's been doing this about sixty something years, and I'm 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 indebted probably about twenty or so, and yeah. maybe a little yeah. more, but. Um, well, <laughs> well, on this podcast, it's a little bit different than some that are out there. I, uh, my uh, partner and I started what was really the first uh, tree dog podcast out here on the internet. Uh, we called it uh, Houndsman XP, and it's still out there. And all and uh, uh, and there's different ones, and some of them like to talk a lot about the competition hunts and who the latest right. winners are and all that. But what I like to do is talk to the Mr. Zorns of the Coonhound world that have had, have had the experiences and paid their dues, so to speak. And, and those are the people that I tend to want to learn from. Now I can learn things from these other people, but I'm not going to apply what I learned from them because I'm not going to be out there on a night at my age it's a young man's yeah. game you know you have it to, is and it's getting worse because the dogs mm-hmm. they're hunting nowadays hunt so hard and so wide and yeah. uh, and they're you know we talk about it all the time on this podcast uh they're looking mm-hmm. we call them ambush dogs they're looking for a yeah. coon that's hot enough that they can tree and score on it but yeah. I want to tell you one little story about the armadillo before we leave that. I was contacted when I lived in Michigan by a friend in South Carolina, a pair, uh, uh, a couple of guys, and they were interested in a dog that had been just tearing up the night hunts in Michigan. He was, yeah. uh, he had won a lot of money in the PKC hunts, and he was the state leader and all these things. And yeah. this guy called me and he said. I, if you would do me a favor, would you go to this? Is quite a asking quite a lot. I yeah. thought. Go to the <laughs> bank. I'm going to forward a cashier's check. Pick up the check. Go and buy this dog and put him on an airplane back to me here in South Carolina, <laughs> which is you know in and of itself uh, yeah. quite. And and then when you consider that that check is fifteen thousand dollars. Then, yeah. you know, that's uh, that's quite, putting quite a bit of faith in me, more faith than I want somebody <laughs> to put in. Oh, yeah, they will yeah. put you in a predicament. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the long story short was when that dog got back to South Carolina, he wanted, he found, he fell in love with that possum <laughs> on the half shell. That's all he wanted to do was run and, and, and catch those armadillos. So so that regional thing, I guess, and what you said about a dog maybe from up north that hadn't seen them before, you know, that's yeah. absolutely true. 
Oh, yeah, it is. I knew a man that called him the B-Man. That's what he was in B-Business. But he's mm-hmm. up north. But he'd come down here in the summertime. But he had mm-hmm. a bunch of beehive. He made real good money. He was a lot of money. But he was the same way. I sold him several dogs from down here. And uh, he carried them up there and hunted them. But, yeah, that uh, I forgot where I was going with that story. <laughs> Well, we, I ain't old. I can't remember good no more. Well, get, get, you, get you a drink of water there, people. You might be like me, Mister Zorn. I tell people yeah. I know all kinds of stuff. I just can't remember it. <laughs> you can start talking about it, and then you forget. That's right. I know how you feel, brother. You know, you don't. There's no condemnation on this program because I do that kind of thing all the time. All the time. I hate you. I yeah. Hate you. Well, hey, okay. People, I'll get you, get you a drink right there. Yeah, if you got something to drink there, please be comfortable because we want you to be. I, I got a feeling there's a few more stories that we might be able to prod out of you here if we keep well, going. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, Stephen, I'm going to get a little personal on it and I'll start the story and I'm sure people will take it over. Yeah. And this is, he's telling me, I, I've hunted with this man, and 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 I met the entire family, and and uh, <laughs> I'm married, and my wife has even went coon hunting with me and, and Ed, and and my 12 year old daughter has gone coon hunting with us. So he's legendary to us, you know. So oh, absolutely. He told me a story one time, and I had him repeat that story to my wife. Now him and his wife had been married, and they were married for a long time, but when they first got married. Uh, <laughs> okay, now you know this is a family show, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. it's, 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 it ain't bad. It's, okay, it's a family show. <laughs> and so, people came home one day, and his and and Miss Zorn was in the kitchen of cooking, and he said, "How long are you gonna be cooking on that stove?" Now, this, you talking about this, uh, this is a yeah, it's a gospel now. too. <laughs> it's a new house now, and and she got a new stove and refrigerator and whatnot. <laughs> now he done traded a dog for that stove. <laughs> oh, trade, no. the, trade the stove for the dog. And the man was standing there. We had to unhook the stove. You are a brave man. And she died, still married to me. <laughs> and she's still married to you. Now that's the most. I'd have put pop knots all over your head. <laughs> He just stood there dumbfounded, man, toting the stove out. <laughs> Mr. Zorn, I tell you, I've heard a lot of coon hunting stories, but I don't believe I can top that one. <laughs> That's the truth. And then another time, I swapped a brand new refrigerator for one. We just got it, and that week, we were living in Greenbow, Texas, renting, you know, and there's three little houses in a row. I come in one Friday. <laughs> I said, baby, we're going to get rid of that ice box. I mean, that stove. The stove, I, I've done both of them. I came here. Anyway, hey, she was fixed. Start fixing the supper. <laughs> mm, I ran back up to the fourth. We load the stove. <laughs> well, I, that's the gospel, too. I ain't joking. Well, I guess a and woman. She stuck with me till the day she died. <laughs> well, God bless her. God bless her. Well, yeah. I tell you what, when a woman marries a coon hunter, she signs up for a whole lot of stuff that she doesn't really have any idea that she's getting involved in, does she? And they got to be a good woman to stay with you, too, buddy. Well, I'm sure that's for sure. We don't give them enough credit. Stephen, do you got skunks over there in Florida? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, we got plenty of skunks. You got a good skunk story? Ask Ed about, ask Ed about his skunks. His daughters could tell it probably better, but ask Ed about his skunk story. Well, the first one I had, uh, I was real young when I first met <laughs> over in a subdivision. And old dog went in there and <laughs> this whole yarn. And I, I, boy, I was mad in the dickens. I grabbed that skunk by the tail. <laughs> I was whooping that dog with that polecat. <laughs> you were whipping the dog with the polecat. <laughs> Mm. My brother ran across that field to feel out of from it. He ran across that field, throw it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't know. I don't think I've I've read quite a few, few books on coon dog training. I don't remember reading that chapter. That's <laughs> a gospel. I'm on the stations over at the subdivision. Well, how long Please was it? it? How long was it? Were you married at that time, or were you? Uh, yeah, sure was. How long before she let you back in the house? <laughs> oh, you ain't even, you ain't even heard it yet. <laughs> oh, okay. She, I just went on in and went to bed, and she just kind of grunted and rolled over. Mmm. <laughs> mm. His daughter. He had to walk to his daughter's room to get in there. Said, "Dad, yeah. <laughs> and two girls. <laughs> Did they used to ain't so bad? <laughs> I went on there and called in bed. Their mama, she said a word. <laughs> oh my. Well, she had a, a cast iron constitution, as we used to say. I guess. That's the gospel, too, yeah. but I ain't just telling oh, it. Oh, my goodness. It's true, yeah. I yeah. put some hell of a prank going on. And, folks, you <laughs> listeners out there, for more of these tips, contact <laughs> Mr. Ed Zorn of Cleveland, Texas. Public service announcement. That's right. Oh, yeah. man. That's great. Well, I heard one the other day. I was talking to. Uh, uh, one of the guys on the podcast said, see that same problem I have, Mr. Horn, but uh, he's talking about uh, uh, this Fred Moran in, in Pennsylvania. They like to play pranks on each other at the Coon Club. And uh, yeah. this one time somebody put a dead possum on the manifold <laughs> of his truck. And oh, he's Lord. running down the road, and all of a sudden he's getting that smell of that dead possum and that, that oh. sizzling hair and all that. Oh. Well, I tell you what, uh, I've heard several of those kinds of stories. My friend Lee Kearns up in South Carolina told about his boy uh, hide hunting back in the day and to raise some money, yeah. he wanted to buy a, a, a truck. And uh, he had all these hides frozen, and they were going to go to the to the fur dealer the next day. So when he got home from work, this kid had gotten all those frozen hides and put them on all the uh, put them on the stove and uh, and uh, oh, all of that. And uh, that house they had to raise all the windows in. It was winter time. Had to raise all the windows in the house and run fans and everything else to try to get that smell out of there. Well, you know, that's say, a great story. Great story. They uh, say hunting and fishing stories. I believe every one of them because I've had some crazy stuff to happen. Yeah. It's unreal. You yeah. Know? yeah. It's not believable, but it happens. Yeah. It, yeah. That, there's never. Uh, there's an adventure every time you unsnap that dog or, it is. or, or, or I guess leave the, leave yeah. the, the dock in your boat or whatever. 
right. well, uh, what do you got for dogs right now? What do you What do you hunting? You got out a kennel out back there with some hounds? Yeah, there? I got a young blue dog. Yeah, he's how old? Like, young, two years old. Uh, they'll be three years old in uh, June, and then uh, Blue Tip and uh, his brother. Uh, you got a brother to mine, and those are uh, those dogs. I think they'll be a year sometime in August or somewhere in there. Um, but all them dogs come back from uh, Raptor T, EZ's Raptor T, Gentleman Jim. And, yeah, uh, right. Um, okay, yeah. now who owned that dog? Because I, I, I'll confess I'm not a uh, a uh, Blue Tip man. Uh, now, when I was with the registries, worked for UKC especially, I probably knew all the good blue dogs around the country, you know, but I, I just haven't been connected to them now for several years. Well, I, I, Ed called me one day, and I and I had a dog, a blue dog, before him that come off of uh, uh, Gary Miller's hunting a dog uh, raging Rocky years ago, and I had a dog off of him, and I'd had Bucket for about seven, eight years, and uh, he was getting a little old and a little long in the tooth. And so Ed called me one day and said, hey, I, I got a dog you need to come look at. And I'm like, I don't need no dog. And he said, well, just come look at him anyway. So I went over there, and he brought out this big old strat up in <laughs> That dog was taller, taller than my waist, and I'm six foot tall. And I thought, man, what a dog. And he had... He had what you would call a coon dog mouth. I'm talking about a long, oh, yeah. long, long, good ball mouth on him. And he was a steady ringing chop on the tree. And um, so I hunted him for a couple of weeks and I called people and I said, I don't like him. He's too big. He's too strong. He's too ornery. Uh, he said, <laughs> I said, if he ain't, he ain't hunting good for me. He said, well, bring him over here and let me look at him. So I took him over there and people said, well, take him home and worm him real good and let him rest for a week. So I took him home, wormed him real good, and waited a week. And then uh, Ed called me and said, you, is the dog ready to hunt? I said, I, I can't tell by looking at him. He said, bring him over here. So I took him over. When I took Jim out of the box, he'd been eating good and filled out really well because he'd been laid up for a couple of weeks. And uh, he looked really good. His tail was held high, and his head was had a big old box head on him. And, and uh, I pulled him out of the box, and people said, he's ready. Take him to the woods. So I took him that night, and we treated and looked at three coons in about an hour and a half. And I said, well, I guess he is ready. <laughs> <laughs> so I started hunting him in competitions, and and I took him to Louisiana to Tullis, Louisiana, and, and hunted over there. And, and we won two hunts and uh, two different weekends. It was four hunts total, but we won them all in, in two weekends. And uh, uh then I won one more somewhere and made him a night champion. And, and I told people, I said, man, I, we on a roll. <laughs> then we qualified <laughs> for the world hunt. And, oh, yeah. And I, I just kept kept winning hunts with him. And then uh, so I bred him. And then we had the, that first litter of pups. And I got cash. And, and he got easy out of him. And uh, my, my my stepson has a, a dog out of him, but he don't coon hunt him. He's a, just his personal pet. But that's a he's a beautiful dog. Got a big old ball mouth on him. And uh, so yeah. the rest of them dogs out of that litter, there was nine pups, and, and all them dogs are hunting and, and doing good. And uh, so uh, I took Jim to Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, Louisiana. I hunted him in Florida, I think. And uh, when we was in uh, Ohio, um, 
he uh he got down acted a little funny after he won the hunt and it was like 10 minutes left of the hunt and he come walking along beside of me and i went to load him in a truck well normally it wasn't nothing for him to jump the truck and he jumped and hit the tailgate and fell backwards and i caught him and i called people all said something's wrong with jim so i took him to the vet and they said he had a heart valve problem and uh Mm-mm. so well after a few days of deliberation um i decided the best thing to not let my best friend suffer uh was to put him down and i brought him home and uh but we have his sons ed has one i have one and then we have uh uh, one of his sons the boy the male dog i got has puppies so we have jim's grandsons out of them yeah what yeah, that's great. So you've got something there for the future, and that's always important to have something coming on for sure. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, Mr. Yeah. Zorn, you know, we've been at this for almost an hour, if you can believe that. And, Is that right? <laughs> yeah, and and we're going to definitely get back together, I hope, okay. if, you can, if you consent to doing that. But I think, oh, you've yeah. got, I think you've got a story somewhere down there that's just burning a hole in your in the bibs <laughs> of your overalls there that you could okay. tell me before we go. Tell me a good story for our guests, and I and I'll uh, and we'll finish out the podcast with that story. And I'll tell you right now, it's been a genuine pleasure to have you on uh, the program, and uh, you too as well, Kenneth. And thank you so yes, much for introducing me to to Ed and. Uh, uh, but anyway, give us a good give us a good story, Ed. Okay, well, ain't everybody this privileged? Is way I'm gonna put it. I've had two good hounds in my life. I mean, extra good dogs, and that just don't hardly happen in life, you know. I had a Walker dog, an extremely good hound, and I had a blue tick dog, Stagger Lee, yeah. which is extremely good hound. Now Rojo, he was a little trashy, you know. Yes. But he was real powerful tree dog, strike dog, and everything, you know. But uh, uh, Jim, not Jim, Stagger Lee, he was always, I mean, from day one, never treated nothing but a coon. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honest. Yeah. Honest. honest. A good, honest dog, strike sure. and tree. Sure. Yeah. Do you but remember? That's the only one I ever owned. Him and Rojo were the best two dogs. I've yeah. had some good ones out of them. You know, right. Well, do but you it rem- wasn't as powerful. Yes, sir. Do you remember a uh, remember a particular hunt that you took with either one of those dogs, or something uh, funny that happened on a hunt with one of them, or anything at all like that? Before we close, hey, hey Paul, what about that hunt that uh, Rojo was on, and that guy laid all that money on the hood of the truck after the hunt? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he asked me about him, you know. I said, well, I don't know. We'll just see. And it was pouring down rain and everything, boy, and wind blowing. And anyway, we turned loose. And I believe he, we treed four times and looked at three coons. Mm. And it was raining straight down. I imagine. <laughs> and, and we was hunting down a pipeline. And it, was, it was raining so hard that water was nearly ankle, right above your ankles. Then you push your feet out on you. And that sucker, he said, that damn dog three, three more coons in a storm and the dog can good with. In dry weather, huh? 
And the wind blowing about 80 miles an hour. All the time. Mm, yes, sir. Well, it was cold and rainy. He said, I sure want to go, but we can't go again. Because if that dog wasn't so loud, we'd never hear it. Mm. Well, yeah. well, when a man has a dog like that, there's just nothing to compare to the feeling yeah. that that gives you uh, of, uh, of accomplishment, pride, right. and so forth. Yeah. But I was fortunate. I had a good blue dog and a good walker dog. Yeah, and ain't many right. people can say that. That's right. That's right. You know, but he, now the roll yeah. dog, he was trashy, you know, but he, mm-hmm. I, I broke him off yeah. on it. But Stagger Lee, he was just straight from the get-go. Well, but Ed, it's been a real pleasure. I've enjoyed this so much. And Kenneth, the same with you, sir. And if we can get together, uh, Kenneth, maybe you can prompt Ed there to to uh, get back in that book of memories and bring out some some more stories, and we'll get together and do this again. Okay, sir, sounds good to me. All right. And we appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you very much, and uh, I'll be talking to Kenneth there, and you guys will know uh, when this is going to air. Um, yeah. I believe I can tell you here pretty quick. Uh, this program should air on monday april 18th so that's that's when it'll be uh on the internet and you can uh let your daughter listen to it ed so she won't uh she was asking us some questions there before we started she's looking out for you and uh yes yes, yeah and and i appreciate that yeah. That's, that's that baby daughter. She got. Yeah. She'd look over there. Oh yeah. I got three girls. They're all the same way. Uh, what a treasure! They think that one man living. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but they do. What a treasure yeah. that is. Well, obviously it you're is. a good father to them. Okay, yeah, fellas. Thank you again, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll catch you the next time around. Thank you, and I enjoyed every little bit of it. Okay, and as I always say. Uh, When I close out these podcasts, if somebody asks you, where's Steve Fielder? You just tell them, (laughs) he's gone to the dogs. (laughs) I want to ask anybody about me, too. Well, it's time for us to check in with our friend Fred Moran over in the hills of Pennsylvania. Fred Moran, the Redbone Man. How are you doing today, Fred? Well, uh, could be better, Steve, but I'm still plugging away. Well, uh, I tell you I what, have... at our age, we're fortunate to <laughs> to be able to plug, I guess. What's been going on with you? Well, hunting as usual. I had a little bad luck over recently. Oh, I bought my. a young dog about eight a little less than two when I got him. And uh, I had him probably about four to five months already. He fooled me. I didn't expect this kind of dog. I just bought him on what some other guys told me about it and hunted with him. And um, he uh, had a mouth like I always wanted on a red dog. I had very few red dogs with a terrific mouth, and this was definitely one of them. And uh, he drowned out most of the dog. He he was as good as hickory on the mouth part. And uh, he did everything pretty much natural. He did a good job when I hunted him by himself. He was, to me, uh, the short period of time I had him, I felt he was as good as most five-year-olds. 
and he was just too. Uh, he, the previous owner didn't teach him nothing about listening, but I got a good bit of that into him, and he was a different dog after I had him about a month. Uh, I, I didn't have to jerk him or him jerk me all over the place. Uh, I was pretty well satisfied. Um, he did go wide, but I love that. A lot of people don't figure there's going to be a problem, but I never really had too much problem on dogs that went wide, but I kept hunting them, and we went to one night, me, uh, uh, Zach Kane went with me and turned him loose on a farm that I hunt quite a bit. It's usually pretty safe. The nearest good-sized road is probably a mile through the woods. But generally, you're in there, you tree a coon usually within a quarter mile. You generally strike a tree one pretty quick. The only thing is the wind came up, and we couldn't hear a thing. And I said, them dogs should have been struck by now. So we start going to different places surrounding this farm. Never heard a dog nowhere. I heard nothing but the wind. Uh, the garmin were looking at it and it's jumping around and wasn't given a good reading on one dog it did, but the other two, they were either too far out of the pocket or that wind had something to do. I don't know. I'm no expert on them. Patty's an expert on Garmin. She can figure out better than I bet you the Garmin people. So we drove all around, and we drove actually a little over a mile, come down a paved hard road that traveled pretty good. I was hoping they wouldn't go that direction, but that's what happened. Um, one boy says, Buster's somewhere near here. He ain't far. Uh, he says he's less than 300 yards. So I stopped the truck, and uh, Zach told me, he says, I think he's up this all. And just then, the dog, we heard him on the gravel, and he came right down that uh, hollow road there and come right to me. I said, get in the box. He got in the box, and I figured two minutes later, the other two will show up, but neither one did. We called a little bit, not too loud, because that road's too busy, and I don't need him coming out on that road. Couldn't find him. Drove all around, and Zach told me, he says, that your uh, uh, Garmin, it just went dead. He says, there's a big question mark here. We stopped, listened, called a little bit. It was only about 100 yards down the road for where we got Buster. I said, they always hunt together. I can't understand that. <clears throat> so we start driving, shining our lights in the fields and woods alongside her. Did that for good 20 minutes. Never found nothing or anything. Went back to where we originally parked. Looked all over for the dogs there. Nothing happening. It's about 1.30 in the morning. I said, I'll tell you what, we're just wasting our time. At least there's less traffic now. We'll go home. I'll be back here as soon as it gets daylight and see what I could find. I called the township building because they come in to start work right by daylight. They all know me. And I told I happened to get the boss. And I says, uh, hey, Billy, 
I said, Moran, I lost two dogs last night. My buddy lost one. I said, we got one back, but I'm missing two. You know what I keep. And these are big red dogs and uh, real shiny red. And he said, we tell the drivers, if they see anything, one of them will call you. So I'm out there by myself. I go to the house where we started first. I called around, I blow the whistle a little bit, see if any of them come. Now, the female ain't used to a whistle. He just calls his dog. But here she came out from the back of the house. So that was a good surprise. I loaded her up in the truck, and I called a few more times, blow the whistle, figured the young dog will come in. Well, I did that for a good 20 minutes, got no response whatsoever. So I started driving the roads. I went back over to where I got Buster the night before, like one o'clock in the morning. I looked all around there, called around, looked on the people's back porches, see if he'd be laying there or something. Didn't see nothing. So I went down there where the caller went dead the night before. And where Zach says he's somewhere around here, at least he thought he was. Well, I got in the middle of the road, actually closer to the side you're not supposed to drive on. I thought if he got hit, maybe he's laying right over a hill. And I did it. I didn't go more than 50 yards, and I spotted him laying on the side down over the hill. Well, I was hoping he was just hurt, not killed or anything, but I went down there and he was dead, so oh it, I figure it happened right when we caught Buster, right before that, that that's what happened there. And the dog was bigger than I like. I don't like a big dog, although I've had my share. I learned if they're good enough, I'll learn to like the big stuff. Well, I went down and put a leash on, drug him up the hill like a deer because he was too heavy for me to lift a dog. Probably was 65 pounds. And mm -hmm. I finally got him up there and got him up on the end gate and was able to push him into the dog box and took him home. Mm. I called, called Zach and told him I got his female there. He says, you get your male? I said, yeah, but not as live as yours. And uh -huh. so he, he come over and took him over his place and buried him for me. And um, so well, I you, lost a good dog. It wasn't uh, the money doesn't bother me. I figure you, you can always replace one uh, naturally if you have enough money on you. But it's still uh, a hardship all the way around. I mean, oh. nobody likes to lose a dog, especially a good one. And he was definitely something of the better class, I felt. I thought I was going to tear him up with him in the hunts, and a couple people that went with me just coon hunting thought the same. But mm -hmm. that's the way you you can have a, a dog that ain't worth a dime and put him out in the middle of the turnpike and every car will miss him. You put a good one somewhere, yeah. uh, be it on a desert, he'll still get hit. It seems uh, that way, Fred, for sure, and the, and the good ones always go the hardest, you know, in, in, yeah. in our uh, minds, and especially a young dog with a great future ahead of him. What did you call this dog, Fred? Rooster. Rooster. I, I 
usually change the name on every dog I get. I don't, I want my own. But I figured this guy had him since a pup. So I just mm-hmm. left it as is. I thought, yeah, that's good enough. I never had one named Rooster. So I left it the way it was. Well, for the red bone people that may be listening, do you uh, recall what his breeding was? How, how yep, his yep. He, he had some excellent breeding that a lot of people, I recommended this dog to a lot of people. He went back to the same dogs that Woody uh, did, and that's a winning his red bone in the last four or five years. Any Is that the dog look. that Doug Moore and Yeah, Doug Moore got over yeah. in Ohio. And um, he was a good dog. I've had good luck with the dogs I had out of uh, Woody and some of his offspring. I, I sold four or five females. Kerry Rooks brought a couple of them off me that went back to females of Doug Moore's also. And he had pretty decent luck with the ones he kept. Yeah. Uh, they're tree dogs. And Bill Koffelmeyer up in Michigan came down here and went hunting with me one night. Well, he came to buy a dog. And I had a female out of Doug Moore's dog. I wonder, Bill's 82 years old, but he still goes quite a bit. I want to tell you a story about his coon hunting note. Let me finish this part first. Now, he called me up. I didn't know him from Adam. He says, uh, I've been following you for a long time. Do you have anything for sale? And I don't mean to be smarter or wise guy or anything. I <laughs> said, because I didn't know this guy from Adam. I said, I got a good female. I ain't going to breed her, so I might as well sell her. But I want five grand for her. And uh, he said, when can I try her? I said, whenever you suit yourself. He came, called me ahead of time, and he came down, looked her over and everything. He seemed to like the looks of her. She was a smaller dog, well-behaved, and uh, she was a pleasure to own. Believe me, I had her for a good couple of years. I uh, made her a night champion. She listened good, quiet at the kennel. That's a must for me. I won't put up with a dog that carries on at the kennel. And uh, he says, how she do with other dogs? And Bill, you got to talk to me. He's got like a little bit of a squeaky voice, but I like to listen to him. And he says, let's take it with one of your other dogs. I just want to make sure. It ain't fussy or anything. At that time, I had four dogs. I said, pick which one you want. He says, well, what about, he points to Buster. Buster was 15 months old at the time. I said, we'll take him. Here's what we'll do. We'll take him and her and tree one coon. We'll bring him back and put him in the kennel and then just take her for a couple more coons and see what you think. She might not do nothing, but I think she will. Uh, she's never filled me before. So we we did that. He picked Buster. We took him to a woods not far from home. I honestly don't know who struck first. It was that close together. And almost the same thing on a tree. Not because they're mine. I thought they did A1. You couldn't ask for much more. We went in there. Bill ain't too swift on finding coon, I found out, but I showed him, I showed him the coon. In fact, I think I showed him every one that night, but, uh, 
Anyhow, we, we took, apologize, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ain't. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, we, we took them back to the kennel, and I just, all my dogs I can leave out of the truck. They'll go to their kennel and go in and so forth, or if I want to go hunting, I just turn them loose at the kennel, and they'll find a truck wherever it's parked and jump in the dog box. And Bill got a kick out of that. He said, boy, I like the way that buster dog loads up and goes in a kennel without you saying anything except go to the kennel. He said, that's all right. I told him jokingly, he probably thinks I'm serious. I said, you come back in two weeks. I'm teaching him to shut the gate. He <laughs> busts out laughing. I says, uh, well, we'll take the female now. And we took her to a woods, and I forget how many coon we treated. It was at least four, and it was either four or five. And I think we saw every one but one, and uh, the last one was hard to find. And he says, well, I was determined to find it to prove to him she has a coon. And he says, boy, and briars are thick getting if we go to her i said we'll see that coon i said we won't have to go to her i said if i call her no matter where she's at if she can hear me she'll be here in a couple minutes well i finally did see the coon and showed it to him i don't know if he's just pacifying me or he's seen it for sure but he said he saw it so i called the dog and dog was about 70 yards away she come right to me, load up in the truck. And I says, you want to turn loose again? He says, nope, I've seen enough. He said, I'm going to take her home. Since that time, he came and bought a male off of me named Ryder. That's a real tree dog. I had Ryder in, uh, I think, three hunts. I didn't do no good in a one. I would have if I'd have found a coon. But uh, maybe could, you needed Bill to come and try to find it for you. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Fred, do we can we can we uh, suspend this until our next visit next week? Sure. Uh, I, I first of all, I, I want to tell you that I'm very very sorry that you lost Rooster, and I know our listeners are feeling your pain. Anybody that's turned a dog loose and found them on a highway like that, oh, yeah. which I, yeah. I think we all have at one time or another. And it, it really is a heartbreaker. Uh, I'm glad that you still have Rooster. And uh, you hopefully, you know, you'll have another young dog coming on. Uh, and uh, if, if we can, we're going to wrap this up for today. And we're going to check in with you next week. And you can finish this story. And, and maybe you'll have another one or two. And, I uh, in case I forget it, I'm just going to take one minute on this. About two weeks later, I was hunting, and I took Buster and turned him loose. He went in the pen by accident. Yeah. His tail hit the pen gate, and it <laughs> shut perfect in, in, behind the door. I said, I can't wait. I said, I hope that happens when Bill comes down again. I'll tell him I told you I'd teach him to shut the gate. But he's done it two more times since that. All right. Well, uh, hopefully that that he'll cooperate with you the next time, and then Bill will be scratching his head. 
Matt I told him the truth, though, so he oh, knows, okay. but I shouldn't have, and I <laughs> hope that would happen. But uh, well, Fred, uh, that's great stories, man. I could sit here all day with you, and unfortunately, we do have some limitations on the time. But we'll definitely get back to you. Uh, no ne- problem. Next week, and I hope everything goes well with you. And again, we send your uh, send condolences to you uh, over the loss of your hand. Well, thanks a lot. All right. Well, you have a great day, sir. All right, you take care. We'll see you and talk to you soon.